0: Good morning friends, people of the galaxy. It is your boy Rick Villanueva. It is early in the morning. Let me shut off the car. Can't have all of that. You know how we do on these recaps, these reactions. It's Mandalorian Day. Mandalorian Season 3 is back. And, did they stack this episode with a ton of stuff. I took some notes, and I thought I was going to run out of space, because I forgot my goddamn notebook at home. So I got scraps of paper here from work, and I've been trying to jot down some stuff. Probably looking like an idiot while I'm doing it, my chicken scratch over here. But let's talk about this episode real quick. I don't have a lot of time. The episode was called The Apostate, was directed by Rick Famuyua which, uh, I guess we knew he had directed this episode. Uh, I did not look at the director's list for the season cause uh, I don't care. And, um, man, what an episode, uh, great kickstart for the season and thinking like season one and season two gave us stingers. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the end of season, episode one, chapter one gave us the child, End of chapter, I guess, nine, the Marshal gave us the stinger of Boba Fett again. This one is given us a ton of lore. There wasn't like one, I think, big stinger kind of moment for the thing, but lots of history uh, in lore packed into this episode, and so let's just run through it real quick. So we start off seeing the armorer forging a new helmet, and obviously... My first thought is like, oh, is she uh, doing something for Grogu right there? But nope. There's another youngling, uh, possibly another foundling, who uh, she's making this new helmet for. They're going through the ceremony. And once it's painted, it looks like uh, Paz Vizsla's. And it uh, turns out it's not. Like, I'm wondering, like, is this kid related to Paz? Cause this is the same color scheme? The same kind of, like, cheek color part or whatever? And uh, who's to say? But that kid looked pretty badass being out there standing in the waters. Um, but as we know, even in times of relative peace, there are dangers everywhere. And so this big ass crocodile thing pops out and I'm wondering like, is that a mythosaur? Is that what a mythosaur looks like in a, uh, in the new canon? Cause I don't think we've seen one. I don't, I'm sure there's descriptions of them in, in some of the legends books and stuff, but not nothing that I can remember. But what I gather from this scene is that these Mandalorians, these um, the Children of the Watch here, uh, seem to be a little out of practice. And not to say that they should have taken this thing down any quicker, but um, we've seen them fight you know, other people and stuff, and they've been pretty badass when they do it. But they had a really hard time with this thing. like They just didn't possess enough firepower to do it. And I wonder if that's just emblematic of... Mandalorians as a whole during this time and it's only when Mandu himself comes in with the with the run-in top turnbuckle style and uh blasts this thing and uh hey crocodile meat so uh, they'll be eating uh they'll be uh, good eats down in the uh the bayous of um Mandalore for these uh, who knows what planet they're even in I don't know um that's just me being dumb but it was, uh, it was cool, it, you know, it reminded me a lot of the crate Dragon fight from Episode 9, and I, I, mean, I don't know if it was kind of meant to do that, but um, it kind of works. Mando breaks out this green crystal and shows it to the armor, and she kind of like runs through the thing about him not being a Mandalorian again, and I was like, hey, yo, we know this. And uh, it's like a recap without a recap. Speaking of the recap, it did not go into the whole Book of Boba Fett thing. It was actually a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be, which... Okay, I'll take it. We're just jumping in feet first Um, and uh, mind the doors because this thing took off from jump. And so he says, you know, I'm going to go to Mandalore. I'm going to prove that the the mines are still there. I'm going to, you know, see that the thing's not poison. And if I can prove that I've been in those waters, uh, you have to bring me in because that's what the creed dictates. Um, So they go, they leave and they're in hyperspace and God damn it fucking purgils. They got purgils in this thing. And man, you know, there were a couple, I'm excited because unlike a lot of people, I really liked purgils. I liked them the first time we saw them and I liked them the last time we saw it. And if you don't like them, good on you. Everybody's, you know, down to their opinions. I really like them. I like that weird shit in Star Wars. Mm. So bring it. Um, it uh, It was cool to see them even just in the um... In outline while in hyperspace, it was cool that Grogu had a little connection with them. As there's some force things that kind of happen with the pergals, I don't know. I guess that's how they travel through hyperspace. I don't know, I don't know how the stuff works. Um, but it was really cool. They end up at, on Navarro. We see one of them, uh, chef droids. There's tons of aliens. There's Mont Calamari walking around. There's like all kinds of Star Wars. It was really cool to see the prosthetic work. For this season, I thought, or for this episode, was really, really cool. And they get past IG-11, and they stop. And Mando says to Grogu, "Uh, do you remember your old friend? And it was like, oh, that's very nice. Not knowing that he has plans for for him in the moment. And then we hear Mando from Grief Karga himself coming out with his badass cape and his clothes. You got a fly tailor out there. I don't know who's doing his clothes for him. Uh, but he came out. Styling and profiling. And. Um, he's got. He's got these little. These little cape droids. That just like. Pick up like the train of his cape. Um, talk about opulence. You know. Mando talks about the whole place. I'm sorry. Din Djarin talks about the whole place being different. Mando's. Or. Grief's talking about. They are, um, like an established trade partner with the Hydean way. Um, and, uh, they go back to his office and they start talking more and then tells uh, grief for the first time that uh, baby Yoda's name is Grogu and grief says, uh, yeah, if you say so, like, I don't care. I'm still going to call him baby Yoda. Just like 80% of the world because I don't give a damn by his name. He's cute. And it's his baby Yoda. So, uh, they talk about a pirate named Gory and Shard. Because there's uh, this pirate gang out there. And this guy's name is Vane. He's a Nikto. He had some uh, Nikto and Aqua No, not aqua. Um, what's the dude? Uh, the Squidhead guys. I'm um, Guys, it's early. I haven't finished my coffee yet. Um, but uh, they want to go drink in the school. The hell you think this is? A 1980s rom-com? You're drinking in the school. There's kids in there. You can't be doing that, Vane. Just thinking. Like, no respect for them kids. Vane, come on, man. Anyway, but he's saying that, you know, Grief wouldn't have been where he is without Gory and Shard. And uh, there's a standoff. And Grief pulls out that blaster, pops dude in the hand, and uh, the rest of them guys test. And here's the thing about this scene. And I noticed in this episode that in the scenes where it was a little more tense, where there might've been some, some peril, um, you know, who didn't feel any of that peril Grogu, you know, we saw in the beginning of season two, when the fight happens, um, at the, like the Gamorrean fighting pits or whatever, whatever planet that, that is that with John Leguizamo, one-eyed Cyclops, John Leguizamo, um, he covers up the pram because he knows uh, stuff's about to go down. He doesn't do that this time, which to me either says that he knows what's going to happen. Maybe some more of his, a uh, force attuneness, or he just has more confidence in, uh, in din and grief and trust them more to feel safe. And, uh, cause he doesn't, he doesn't really guard himself and even, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second, but he says, um, we get a mention of uh, Cardoon, which, you know, guys, there was some talk, some discourse about what they are going to do with all of that. There's some t- stupid fucking discourse about timelines and whatever, whatever. That shit can put it all up your butt. I don't give a damn about the two years thing and what Johnny Favs meant. All that says to me is uh, Toro Calican. have been dead confirmed for two years. Fuck that guy. I hate him. Pardon my language. I'm, I'm fired up this morning. Mandalore got me, got me fired up. Um... But uh, they said Cara Dune was going to be the marshal there. And turns out she got recruited by special forces. Okay, one line of dialogue. I'm good with that. Let's never speak of her again. Um, that's the end of that. But they did say that they were going to mention it. And so they, they talk about needing IG-11 to get to Mandalore because Din trusts him. To navigate the the dangers of Mandalore. If it's uh, a really glassed planet. Then they say they can't breathe there. IG-11 can. And uh, he can navigate his way through. But they bring him back to life. And uh, boy, that was creepy. Creepy creepy. IG-11 is like a uh, murder death kill. About to take out Grogu. And uh, Mando grabs him up right away. Scoops him up. And we hear Mando says the word scud. As if like. That's just. That's the swear. Um, okay. And. Um, grief's droid is the one to actually take out IG-11 as it's crawling around on the floor. One arm Terminator style. Terminator one style. And then he uh, blasts out the corniest line. The dad jokiest line from uh, no pun intended. Last of Us. Little crossover there. And he says uh, that's using your head. <laughs> little belly guffaw for me from me. That's using your head. Come on now. Um, anyway, so <laughs> we head over to finding of the the, Enzelens, the little Babu Fricks. And uh, boy, did I love this scene. I love this scene so much. I, how did Din, did Din crawl in there with them? Because Grief didn't go, I know, I never mind. Grief's not trying to dirty up his his capes. That's why he didn't crawl in there. And, uh, you know, Din's all talking about, like, I need a translator did anybody speak Hatties? And to hear the Anzellans talking about uh, not friend anymore and all of that. And he's got to, you know, he needs the memory thing because it be defaulted back to his original programming and all of that. And favorite line in the whole thing. No squeezy, no squeezy bad baby. Where, <laughs> where was that line when my son was a baby? He's 13 now. Um, I might just give him a hug at home and see if he says no squeezy to me. But man, did that cracked me up. Here in uh, the little Anzellan, voiced by Shirley Henderson again, which is really cool, who did a Boba Fett and *Otherwise* uh, Skywalker. But um, yeah, that was that was hilarious. I thought it was really cute uh, seeing Grogu. I thought he was trying to eat that thing. Like, oh look, it's just a little frog with some hair on it. I'll just pluck that hair right off of it. Five second rule. We'll been on the floor. I'm gonna eat it. Um, but I don't think that's what he was doing. I think he was like, it's cute and it's a toy or something like that. Um, or maybe he was trying to eat it. But who knows? But Mando says like, Hey, I'm going to go get the memory thing. Grief says, uh, if, uh, if the Andellans can't find it, like good luck. And I, first thing I thought was he's going to go to Tatooine. He's going to meet up with Pelimoto because she got shit laying around her shop. I bet she's got one of those things because she just has stuff. Um, but along the way, here comes Vayne again and he's got a bunch of his other pirate homies after all the other ones died on Navarro and uh, again Grogo's like not in danger here like he doesn't seem to be projecting that he's not feeling safe and Mando like before this is like teaching him like what the ship is about fuel gauges navigation and then like the proximity sensor for enemies and all of that and I love the asteroid chase, A, because it just looks cool, reminding me of Vampire Strikes Back. There's this musical, like, trombone kind of thing where the note kind of like, like, whatever, like, uh, Joseph Shirley did in that moment to adjust the score or whatever, because it is kind of like the Mandalorian theme. Um, but it was like this drawn-out note was really cool sounding. Uh, so good on you, Joseph Shirley. Um, even though, like, Ludwig's not doing the music for the season proper, I thought uh, the music was, was really, really cool in this. But they disappear mando like disappears in the asteroids which is where the mining is happening that's why we see these structures and stuff there and the um, he starts popping up one by one picking off all these ships and it reminded me of the prisoner uh, episode of season 1 when you know he's taking down the uh, like the the his old his old buddy's crew uh, one by one on that, uh, that prison establishment. Uh, it was kind of, uh, it was really cool to see him do it in another vein. It shows the prowess of the N1 and like all the capabilities that it's got, how well he can fly it now. He's gotten really adjusted to it. And then we see Gory and Shard himself. Swamp thing, man thing. Um, guy, somebody dumped some spinach on my man. Um, I saw the voice was like Nancy Alonso, I think is like a British actor. I I could be, I'm butchering the name guys and I apologize, but uh, I thought he looked really cool. And again, I, I I have to speak to the prosthetic work, the makeup work, the, the facial puppetry, if it's not digital or whatever, looked amazing. Uh, Give me more of this dude. Like he had that um, um, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of feel like he had some space seaweed on him or something. But he looked really awesome. Um, I, well, I'm, I'm hoping we get more of him later on. But whatever, just bring, bring him back to kill him. I don't really care. But he looked awesome. And we find, uh, you know, Mando escapes. And he goes to Kalevala, which is a Mandalorian planet. And there's a castle there, he tells Grogu. And we meet up with Bo Katan. Man, she is all forlorn. She is by herself. She got a leg up. She's There's nobody else there except for that droid that meets Grogu on the outside and it's raining, it's gray, um, cue the, uh, Pablo Hidalgo raining window glass gif, and he's like, I need your help, I'm here to join you, and she's like, there's nothing to join, everybody's gone, all my people are mercenaries now, there's nothing on Mandalore for you, and he says, um, you know, I, I'm, I need to go prove that it's not what you say it is. Like he's not trusting people. He's got to find his truth for himself. And I think we're going to see, I think a lot of what this episode laid out in its writing is thematically what the whole of the season is going to be. Grogu's feeling safer. We did not see the dark saber, even though we know he's got it. He mentions it to Bo-Katan. She even says, oh, just wave it around and the people will follow you whatever you need them to do. Um, but you know, Again, thematically, more confident. They're the duo again. We see the travails of the Children of the Watch maybe not being as well-equipped as they think they are to face the real dangers of the galaxy. Lots of thematic stuff that that I really dug in this episode. Um, grief trying to build a more respectable world, this like symbolic rebuilding of the, the, the New Republic, even though he does not want the bureaucracy of the New Republic. I like hearing a little bit of politics in there. Um, and yeah, overall I just, I thought it was great. I'm fired up. Um, I I don't know how I'm going to keep my energy levels up because now I I have to go to work and, uh, I can't wait to rewatch this episode later on today with the fam at home. Um, yeah, Mandalorian season three, it's back. And I was like, my, my expectations were really tempered. I tried to stay away from some of the interviews and stuff. Um, some of it's just inescapable as discourse happens. But um, I'm I'm hyped now. I'm more fired up now than I was yesterday. I mean, I was excited, but I'm more excited now after seeing what this episode was. And um, yeah, it was just a lot jam packed in here. I, you know, I would have liked to. I don't know. I I was gonna say I may I, maybe it would have been better as a slightly longer episode, but I think what they did. Um, economically with the story, how it worked. I think it just worked really well. It just sailed really quickly. It was a 38 minute total runtime, maybe probably like 33 minutes or so, or 30 minutes of actual story. Hey, I'll take it. No complaints out of me. Any Mando is good Mando as far as I'm concerned. So that's going to be it for me, guys. I got to go into work. Um, We do have a new Bad Batch episode to uh, talk about, which I'm going to do that tomorrow if you're listening to this uh, day of release for Mandalorian Season 3, so you'll get that bonus. I don't know if I'm going to record this weekend uh, to talk about this episode more with the guests. I I haven't really solidified any plans, but if I do, uh, you guys will know. Um, A quick shout-out to Johnny Hoey for stopping by the episode this past weekend. We had a great time. If you have not listened to that episode, please do. Um, we talked about some baseball stuff and some other things that uh, were not strictly Star Wars, and we had a blast. Uh, and like I said during the episode, that it, I forgot that I was recording. We were having such a good time. So good on you, John. Um, guys, remember to rate and review these episodes. Please share and retweet as you can. Tell a friend. You know you can find me just about everywhere at Cad Banes Bounty. You can follow the show um, on Twitter and Hive at JTComlink uh, and at Jam Transmissions on Twitter. Instagram, uh, look out for me and my son recording pre uh, quick shot previews for Broaxium. We had uh, two this week: Hyperspace Stories number four, my son did, and I did The High Republic, The Blade issue three, which is great. Um, so uh, make sure you check all that stuff out, and even on YouTube. And I hope I'm not forgetting anything. But uh, guys, I'm excited. Mandalorian's back. Bad Batch tomorrow. It's going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy couple of weeks with everything that's going on. There's six comics today. We got a new book coming out next week, um, and another one in April, in uh, Quest for Planet or planet, I think it's uh, Planet X, something like that, by Tessa Gratton. The next High Republic book. There's just a lot, people. Um, I'm going to let you go, and um, yeah, may the force be with. This is the way.